Today marks a new type of episode. We are going to be talking about personality traits, positive and negative traits that affect the way we interact in the world. They affect our relationships. They affect our ability to work in the workplace that we are currently in. And so we're going to be covering one personality trait every day and how those traits connect to other traits, how we can become sort of a system of one label. And today we're going to be talking about people-pleasing. The reason I'm picking people-pleasing for our first episode back is that I am absolutely a recovering people-pleaser, top to bottom. And so I really enjoyed the holidays. This was really my first holiday as a true people pleaser in full recovery. And it was so interesting and amazing for me to sit back and sort of take in the holiday from a back seat, not doing and saying yes and overwhelming myself with all of the holiday to do's and all of the expectations of family and friends. So today is a, for all of my people pleasers who may not be quite to that recovery place yet. Hey, this is B. Andrine, formerly known as, oh, good Lord, we don't have time for that. This is My Self-Worth is a Size Zero, a podcast brought to you by Embolden Label. Here, you'll turn your negative inner dialogue into a goal-crushing identity. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you let someone see you from the inside out? That's what I thought. This show was brought about by really a lifetime of feeling measured based on other people's measuring systems, which to a people pleaser is like a bar that you'll never quite jump over or reach. And so when I think back in my life, I think about all of the times that I felt like I was measured or valued rather by the measuring system of the world. And so you know, sometimes that would be the shape or size that I was. And I remember specifically a time where I was dancing for a professional sports team. And I was quite literally in the best shape of my life. And I remember being compared to women that were much tinier than I was. I always had a very thick build, very muscular frame. And I remember having major self-conscious weight issues because I was so much bigger than a lot of the other girls. And though I look back at those pictures and I think to myself, like, that girl was so hard on herself. That girl thought she was so fat. And now when I look at those pictures, I'm sort of in awe that my body was able to um, look like that, that it was able to be in that great of shape. And truly, I'm so thankful that I have muscle tone, that I have a strong build because it has helped me be strong for my kids. It has helped me um, do sports and activities that really matter to me, that excite me. And it's so funny how something that you can regret or you can be hard on yourself about is something that you look back and go, I can't believe that that's something that I didn't appreciate or value at the time. Now, there are many other ways in which that I felt measured by other people. Another one would be definitely your worth as far as what you do for a living. How educated are you? How much money do you make? How big is the house you live in? How nice is the car you drive? And I think so many of us get wrapped up in 
this like neighborhood pecking order. And I'm just going to call it keeping up with the Jones. And it's funny because um, I started my career really young. And so I had certain things at a really young age, but the meaning of those things was not the same to me as they were to other people that were around me that were sort of judging me based on those things. Um, I've dated people and had relationships with people who really valued like that was their worth. That was their external label that they presented with was how much money they made, how successful they were, um, how many employees they had, whatever that thing was that made them feel like they had a ton of self-worth. And I'm actually in a season of life now where my kids are right at that age where kids are really getting competitive in sports. So I have a nine-year-old and an 11-year-old. Both of my kids are incredibly athletic. Both of them are very agile. Both of them are very, um, they're just, they have that kind of balance and agility, naturally, I would say. But neither one of them is really an athlete yet. Neither one of them really is like dying to play a sport or you know, really committed to something like some hobby or extracurricular. And it's interesting because we're in this season of life where even adults are asking about my kids and their sports and comparing them to other kids in the neighborhood and asking if they're competing in the sports they're playing. And it's so interesting to me how much value our community, the community I live in, puts on this like competitive sports world. And neither of my kids is like chomping at the bit for it. And I'm completely okay with that. Because I personally feel like it's all this weird competitive system, this measuring system that we're all living in. And we really don't take the time to stop. And one of the things I'm the most appreciative about in my life is that I grew up in a family system that didn't place a lot of value on external labels, which is probably why I talk about labels, why I'm obsessed with these tags that we carry around that represent who we are, that tell people negative and positive things about us. And so today's episode was really prompted by this, this thought or feeling that we have these labels that we put on people and some labels that we even stake our flag in and we claim them. Um, And I noticed that this particular label that we're talking about today is one that people really will own. They will say, I am a people pleaser. And sometimes people are aware that there's like a double-edged sword with this label. And some people just think that it's a badge of honor. Now, for those of you who haven't been listening to the show for a long time, I am a Christian woman, but I wasn't always a Christian woman. And again, I would say that this has been one of those life experiences that has been a really interesting dichotomy for me because I grew up in a non-Christian family. We did not have any faith background, and I would say that my parents had Christian values, but raised us just with this attitude of just be a good person, just be a good person, be kind, be supportive, be encouraging, be humble. Um, And really, we were given these very specific labels that um, that made us really cautious and careful to care about others and to make sure that other people weren't being hurt by us or crushed by us. And in some ways, those labels made us 
not compete and made us not rise to the top because we were always, and I can speak for my brother in this as well, we were always making sure that we were supporting those around us. And in some ways, I can look at those labels that I was handed or those lessons that I learned as a kid, and I can say those created some of these habits that made me show up as a people pleaser. Now, I am not one of those people who who would have like proclaimed that I'm a people pleaser. I actually would say that I was unaware of my people pleasing or my um, how my need for people to like me or how my my want for connection with people made me self-sacrifice in ways that um, disallowed me to keep the very best parts of myself when somebody wasn't as kind and considerate as I was. And that happened more and more often as I got older, as my boundaries grew weaker and weaker. Now, boundaries is one of those like keywords, those like sting words that we talk about boundaries, but actually setting them and actually holding them and actually keeping relationships with people who don't want you to have boundaries is not easy. It is a whole nother podcast episode, but that is a common theme with those that people please is that they lack strong boundaries. So I would say that someone who has people pleasing tendencies has more of a tendency to have like a white picket fence boundary that your friends, neighbors, coworkers, even your biggest enemy could kind of duck through the white picket fence and end up on your front step and you're like, oh, I have a fence. But I guess it's okay. Come on in for a glass of iced tea. And there's many of us listening who can relate to that. There's many listening who are thinking, oh, yeah, some of my boundaries are a white picket fence. Some of the people in my life have no problem ducking through those. um, I don't know what they're called, but, you know, the fence posts because they aren't real secure. Right. Anyone who's somewhat limber can either duck under or kind of throw their leg over and be very much encroaching in your space that you have tried to set a boundary on. This was absolutely the hardest thing for me in my people-pleasing recovery, is realizing and recognizing the areas in my life where it's okay to have a white picket fence, it's okay to have a soft boundary, and then the very extensive many more pieces of my life where I needed an electric fence boundary and was lacking for so many years. And one of those areas for me was dating and romantic relationships where I would be too open to the wrong type of guys. And when I say the wrong type of guys, one of the main things that I recognize from my past is that I never wanted to hurt someone's feelings and I never wanted to reject someone because rejection is one of the most painful emotions that I remember feeling as a kid. Like you weren't good enough, you weren't important enough, you weren't worth listening to or seeing or hearing or whatever it was. And so I always felt so like it was excruciating for me to think about rejecting someone. And I also have this gift of being able to see the best in people and distilling up the greatest parts of someone. Do you know what types of men are attracted to someone who can see the best in them? Men that need work, men that need help, men that can't 
see the best in themselves that don't really know how to show the best in themselves long term. And those men are very aggressive. So I was in a system of dating kind of the next guy who was just really attentive and really aggressive and really fell hard and fast. And I would sort of embrace that love and those feelings because I I didn't know how to reject someone or anger someone or upset someone who fell so hard so fast. And I didn't know this. I really truly didn't know this until I went through a really major healing journey in my own life. But now when I look back, I really see that I almost dated the guys that I felt sorry for. I almost dated the guys that I, you know, I needed to mother or I needed to take care of. And in so many ways, again, this added to sort of this people pleasing, this self-sacrificing. And it always left me feeling really depleted and really alone in relationships. In fact, after years of doing this and a couple of different bad relationships, my mother said to me, you have always been alone in relationships. Now, this was a comment that she said to me after years of me being told by people like, just be single, don't date, you need to be alone. And I always felt very lonely and very alone. So when, when I would get out of a relationship, I would be very open to dating again because I felt like I had been alone for so long. Like by the time I let go of relationships, the relationship was long over. And so I was kind of like, well, I've been alone for a long time. And when my mom finally said this to me, it was like a light bulb went off in my head that I was dating these unemotional or emotionally unavailable men. I was in relationships, even marriages with people who gave very little back. I was um, oftentimes in relationships with people who were very controlling, who didn't want me to have a social life or any independence, but they themselves would go and do what they wanted to do. And so when I look back and I kind of did an inventory of all these relationships, I realized I've quite literally been alone, but in a relationship for most of my adult life. And the people pleaser in that showed up almost like a giant with a big, you know, people pleaser stamp on their forehead. And I had started to realize this really dominant trait in myself, this, this habit, so to speak, of people pleasing. And I'm going to just call it romantic partner pleasing in my case. Um, however, it did come out in other ways, but that was definitely the way that it affected me the most. Now, this is long, this episode, but I wanted you to really get a picture of how we can be people-pleasing and not really realizing or recognizing what it's doing to us on the inside and how it's making us cringe and lonely and yearn for more and distrust ourselves and feel shame like we aren't deserving. And it can really cause like these really harsh negative reactions. And the thing about any label even a label that is associated to a negative emotion, there are always added labels and negative emotions that root that label within you. So if I were to show up to a party and say, hi, I'm V, I'm a people pleaser, 
that person is going to hear one label, but underneath that label is a whole character of what created the label. So there are memories attached to that. There are probably traumas attached to that. And they could be micro traumas, right? These little tiny things that sort of shifted how you learned to show up in the world. There are going to be negative emotions attached to that. There are probably positive emotions attached to that. And there are going to be behaviors attached to that. What am I doing that's making me show up as a people pleaser? So people pleasers are what? Think to yourself for a few moments of what it is to be a people pleaser. Give yourself a minute to define it. If you need to push pause on this episode so that you can really kind of think through, am I a people pleaser? As you're listening to this, ask yourself, how do I people please? If you are not a people pleaser, then how would you define it in those around you that are people pleasers? If you happen to be listening to this and you are somebody who likes to take advantage of people pleasers because they do for you, because they are always there for you and they sacrifice themselves for you or they always say yes or whatever it is, I want you to think about what are those traits or behaviors that make you attracted to those people. Let's really take a moment to define what it is to be a people pleaser. Okay, so we are going to look up this definition on Merriam-Webster's. Now, people pleaser is more of a sentence than it is a word. However, there are some definitions on here, and they're pretty simple. So most of them say something like someone who likes to please others or a person who has an emotional need to please others. But there's one definition I find fascinating. And it says, if you grow up in a home with a difficult, emotionally unavailable parent, you may have unconsciously picked up the pattern of people pleasing in in an attempt to engage the aloof parent. Now, that gives us a whole different type of context. And um, just kind of reviewing this in my own life with not necessarily a parent, but someone who I was in constant relationship with who was an emotionally unavailable person and a difficult person and someone who was sort of adamant to put me down when I was in relationship with them, I go, oh my gosh, this is very much relatable in how you can see yourself becoming a people pleaser. Now, what we don't see in these definitions is this more like... um like I want more meat on the bone, right? I want to know, okay, well, what creates a people pleaser? What does a people pleaser act like? What sort of traits do they have? Well, a people pleaser is someone who is considered helpful and kind, usually encouraging, someone who um, always says yes or often says yes, someone who can be easily talked into things, Now, if you want to get the most out of all of these episodes as we talk about these personality traits, I want you to think about, do you see this label of being a people pleaser as a positive or a negative or both? In your life, is it positive? Is it negative? Or do you find that there is a, like, almost a coin where on one side of this label is good and on the other side of this coin is bad? Um, And how does that play out for you? Now, as you figure out for yourself whether this is positive, negative, or both, 
ask yourself, is this a label that is serving me? And is this a label that I want to keep? If this is a label I want to keep, what do I need to do with it in order to keep it and protect my values and be honest with myself and make sure that I am not self-sacrificing in the name of this label? These are big questions that I'm asking you. And so I really encourage you to take the time to write these in a journal and to really take a moment to sit and think about how this label of people pleasing, whether you feel like you are a people pleaser or not, plays a role in your life. If you are someone who might be taking advantage of someone in your life who's a people pleaser, ask yourself these same questions except for what label yourself in whatever way you would label the opposite of people pleasing. Now, people pleasers are agreeable. They get along with everybody. They typically are open-minded. They are compliant, meaning they go with the flow. They're willing. Uh, Again, we come back to that. Usually, you will find that a people pleaser will say yes and will do for others. They're accommodating, meaning they are usually looking for ways to make you have an enjoyable experience. They are complacent, they are obliging, and they are accepting. So they are usually accepting of everything. And again, we go back to that. If we, gosh, there's a quote. It's like, if I fall for everything, then I stand for nothing. And this was probably the biggest thing that made me start addressing this people pleaser label is that um, what I realized in starting tear out the tags and now talking about my self-worth is a size zero and really looking back over the ways in which I let people break me and I let people hurt me and I walked out of relationships or situations feeling so broken and so discarded and so rejected is that I realized that the labels that we wear can be very limiting. They can be wrong. They can be false and inaccurate. And labels are incredibly important for our safety and security. And so I was walking around wearing a lot of negative labels that needed to be addressed, needed to be removed, needed to be redefined and tossed out. And yet here I was without all of these positive labels that would really become core values and would really become ways in which that I protect myself and um, and, and ways in which that I can still be in conversation and community with people who are different than me while remembering who I am to my core. And that's really what this work is about as we measure the intangible traits that we have. Now, people pleasers also and I find this fascinating, people pleasers will rarely be in community with other people pleasers because there's some sort of affirmation needed. There's some sort of self-sacrifice needed where a people pleaser will be surrounded by takers because if you find some of your self-worth in doing for others, if you find some of your self-worth in giving and encouraging and supporting and many other things, then you will find yourself in community and almost attracting people that take advantage of you, that push your buttons, that don't value you. 
So people pleasers rarely, if ever, ask for help. Think about that. People pleasers rarely ask for help because they don't need help. They're helping you. So they can't need help or they can't be pleasing. People pleasers have a hard time accepting a compliment. Think about that for a minute. You have someone who's wired for affirmation, who is wanting to please others, who is building some of their self-worth off of making sure that they are taking care of others. And the very compliments that they're receiving for doing so much for others, they're not willing to accept because in some ways for them, it's not enough. It isn't enough um, affirmation. They need more. And so they'll actually deny compliments in an effort to kind of be poured into more. People pleasers rarely want to change or know how to change. Because to a people pleaser, the idea of being opposite is being the very person that they think or see as taking advantage of them. And they don't want to be the opposite. They want to be what they would consider to be a good person. And so they don't want to be a bad person. They don't want to be a taker. Um, But you need to know that if you are dealing with this label, you can be someone who is encouraging and agreeable and accommodating and willing and still have boundaries around how much you're willing to sacrifice for others, how much you're willing or even who, sorry, who you're willing to sacrifice for. So I hope that this episode has given you some context, some light on what your people pleaser label might say, what you might be defining it as, and the personality traits or the behaviors that might be adding up to the label of people pleasing in your own life. Now, I call this a tag stack when we have several traits or several emotions or several behaviors, several labels even, stacked under a label that might show up more readily or, or more like um, in communication in our world today. So it is likely that you are more often labeled a people pleaser by yourself or others than you are labeled agreeable. Now to wrap up this episode, if you are somebody who has never been labeled as a people pleaser, but you know to your core that that is how you show up in the world, the people who will take advantage of a people pleaser know how to spot it. They know how you show up. They know what your body language looks like. They know how you speak. They can recognize any weak languaging that you put out. They can see the self-sacrifice and they will move underneath that self-sacrifice and really create a system where you become their people pleaser, where you become pleasing to them. So you can actually be wearing the tag people pleaser without even knowing it. Now, if you are interested in learning more about my self-worth is a size zero or the Embolden Label community, shoot me an email at b at emboldenlabel.com. That's E-M-B-L-D-N label.com. And I hope you show up um, for the next like several hundred days. We're going to be talking about personality traits and behaviors. So um, I hope that today was serving for you and I'd love to hear from you. Have a good day.